I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. So, Lord, we turn to your word now and ask that you would speak to us through the reading and preaching of your word. And bless our, our time of communion following uh, the message. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May our hearts be drawn closer to you as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 36, Matthew 24. But of that day and hour no one knows, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left, two women will be grinding in the Mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. No, this isn't an end times message. It's an Advent message. But Advent, the very word Advent means coming. Uh, from the Latin word, Latin word Adventus, which is the Latin translation of the Greek word parousia, which simply means coming. The Lord is coming. Now, Advent is a season in the church calendar that begins four Sundays before Christmas and runs up until Christmas, and then the Christmas season runs from Christmas Day, 12 days until Epiphany. So you hear the 12 days of Christmas? They start on Christmas, they don't end on Christmas. So today, it's first day of Advent, where the secular calendar begins on January 1st, the church calendar begins on the first day of Advent, and for us this year, that's today. So, Happy New Year. Now, there are various Advent traditions, both for church and for, for home. Uh, we do the Advent candles as part of our tradition here, or at least that's been the case since I've been here. Others may do a time of fasting during Advent. Others may read a special devotional book during Advent. Uh, Amy Hamilton suggested starting uh, uh, to read a chapter a day of Luke, beginning today and going through Christmas Eve and there's 24 chapters in Luke's gospel so if you read one chapter a day through Luke you will see the whole story of Jesus uh, between today and Christmas Eve so that was a good uh, good suggestion she had uh, families may do an advent calendar you know, where there's a little window you open or a little door you open up and behind that door there may be a a Bible verse, there might be a prayer, a little poem, or just a portion of the Christmas story behind there. It varies depending on who's put out that particular calendar. But it all builds anticipation to Christmas. So for families that do the Advent calendar with children, the kids are just excited to open, what's in there today? Ah, oh, 
and it gets closer and closer to Christmas as these window, little windows are open on the Advent calendar. Well, whatever the particular tradition, it is intended to help us point to the celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on Christmas. Uh, now, for Christians, Advent is a season of double anticipation. We look back at his first coming as a, as a baby there in Bethlehem, and we'll be singing more about that over the next uh, few weeks as Jesus', uh, uh, as Jesus birth will be uh, celebrated. So we share that ancient longing for the coming of Messiah, uh, the earnest desire for the one who would come as Israel's deliverer is clearly seen in every verse of that Advent hymn that was sung this morning by Nathan McKenzie, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Originally written in Latin, it was first translated into English by John M. Neal, and he entitled it, Draw nigh, draw nigh, Emmanuel. That's how he translated it originally, but now we've, we've uh, translated it, O come, O come, Emmanuel. So that well-known first verse and the refrain is, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice. Rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So Israel had been longing for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the one who would set them free from their oppressions by the, the various nations who through the centuries had uh, kept them uh, captive. Uh, they longed for centuries for the coming Messiah, the coming deliverer. They longed for the day that Jeremiah's prophecy would be fulfilled there in chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called the Lord our righteousness. So there was this time that was yet future, and Israel was longing and anticipating and hoping and dreaming and praying for that day. And then at the time Jesus was born, at the time Jesus was born, they were under the rule of the Roman government. But in its history, Israel was ruled by Egypt, was ruled by Assyria, ruled by Babylon, ruled by others. And in its long history, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, had been attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times, besieged 23 times, and destroyed twice. So this, this is what... Israel and Jerusalem, the, the city, had to deal with over the, over the centuries. So you can see why they would be longing for the deliverer, the one who would come and set them free from that type of oppression. Just imagine the people of Israel through their history crying out something like, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. So this is what we we recall, we bring this to our memory during this Advent season. And so with that 
in focus, we await and prepare for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us at Christmas. Israel looked forward to that day. We look back to that day. And much like Israel's longing for the coming of the Messiah, the church longs with great anticipation for his promised return. So we look back at his first coming and we look ahead to his second coming. I like this, I like this quote by, uh, he's a Lutheran pastor from Texas, David Hansen. He said this, this is great. Advent is the waiting church anxiously standing on her tiptoes to see over and around the noise and confusion of the world to catch a glimpse of the amazing thing that God is about to do in the world. Come, Lord Jesus. Just think of that anticipation. The church standing on her tiptoes. What's God going to do now? That's what Advent is about. Anticipation of what God is going to do. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised that he would one day return. In our, in our reading for today, Jesus spoke of the end times. He spoke of signs in the heaven, in the heavens, uh, the very perplexing distress of nations which will hit like the roaring turbulent waves of the sea, people's hearts failing for them out of fear and expectations about the things that would be coming upon the earth. Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. As that day approaches, don't allow yourself to get caught up and weighed down by the cares of the world and the frustrations of everyday life. As we get closer to the finish line in this race we call the Christian life, it's important that we lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us that we might run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are to be watchful. We are to be prayerful as that day approaches. Even as we saw, uh, we see in the prayers of Saul that he, uh, of Paul, he prayed that the church would increase and abound to love, in, in love to one another. He prayed that their hearts would be established blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Paul was anticipating the, the return of Jesus, this was what he prayed for the churches that he, he wrote to, that they would abound in love, that they would increase in love, that they would be established blameless in holiness and in holiness before God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As that day approaches, the writer of Hebrews says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of Jesus' return. The day when uh, all this as we know will be changed and the new heavens and the new earth and all that's going to change. And so as we get closer to that day, we, uh, we have great anticipation and we are to stir up one another to love and good works. We are not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves as is the manner of some, but is in exhorting one another even much more as that day approaches. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 
the popular hymn, you've heard me say this before, the popular hymn, Joy to the World, written by Isaac Watts, was originally a song about the second coming of Jesus at the end of the age, but has become the most published Christmas hymn in North America. What's a good trivia question there? What is the most published Christmas hymn in North America? It's Joy to the World. Uh, every verse is filled with cheerful expectancy. Just that first verse, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. The promised return of Jesus Christ is the second perspective of this season we call Advent. From the second focal point, we await with great expectation and prepare for the return of Christ. So during Advent, we look back and we look ahead, filled with hope, filled with promise. The heart cries, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and at the same time, joyfully trumpets the refrain to joy to the world. The spirit of the season of Advent, of Advent is about longing and looking. It's about waiting and watching. It's about patient preparation. It's about attentive anticipation and earnest expectation. That's what Advent is about. I know as we approach Christmas, it can be a time very stressful. Oh, there's so much that has to be done. We've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to buy this, we've got to get this ready, we've got to do that. If we get overly stressed at Christmas, we're doing Advent wrong. Advent should not be a time of stress. Sure, it should be a time of anticipation and excitement, but it shouldn't be a time of stress. If you're stressed during this time of the year, you're doing Advent wrong. So as we enter this Advent season, take time to wait. Take time to listen. Take time to ponder the awesome gift of God who gave to us the baby in the manger. While the world around us enters a time of rat race and consumption, may our Advent season be a time of reflection and compassion. But never lose that sense of expectancy that Advent inspires. In a day when there's so much uncertainty, don't lose heart. Hold fast to the hope that is Jesus. Now we're going we're gonna to receive communion and you know, I'll be reading from the 1 Corinthians chapter 11 passage because in that passage we're reminded of Jesus coming the first time to save us but in that passage it also tells us to do this until he comes. So we look back that he came and that he's coming again. So communion really is a time of, 
of anticipation, not just of remembrance, but also a time of anticipation when, when Jesus will return. And if, uh, if the worship team wants to come on up, they can uh, do that at this time. <clears throat> and then, as has been our practice, we, we come forward, we receive a, a cup and a, a piece of the bread, and we stand up front here until everybody's come forward, and then we partake together. And today I also request that after communion, please take your seats. There's going to be a, an important announcement that you need to hear, so... Uh, don't scamper off right after communion. Please take your seats <clears throat> for an announcement. But uh, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm just going to read verses 23 through 26, where Paul says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. That's what we look back to in communion. But we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we look back on his death that our sins might be forgiven. And we look ahead for his return where he's going to put the final everything on everything. And so during Advent, as in the Lord's Supper, we look back to the Lord's first coming to save us and to his second coming to receive us unto himself, for we will be with him for all eternity. And so as, uh, as the worship team uh, sings, uh, you come on forward and we'll, uh, we'll take the communion elements and partake as soon as everybody has gone through the line. I stand.